Hello, my name is Ben. And I'm Paul. And we are the hosts of the Two Vague Podcast this week. We are talking about the word virtual. virtual. Yes. Jinx, you owe me a Coke. Do people say that anymore? I don't think they do. Mm, about as much as Lucy Goosey. Lucy Goosey. <laughs> yes. The word is virtual. Paul, what sort of exposure to, well, let's start with the word virtual. What do you think of when you think of the word virtual first? Uh, well, two different directions, definitely. The first would be something that represents reality or something that exists but actually doesn't. He was virtually the only one there. Like, It doesn't have to actually be the exact meaning as well. That could be another way of looking at virtual. And then the other would be just looking at it like virtues, right, um, your right. morals or however you define yourself. Those are two things that you think about. Yep. That makes sense. There's a virtual, like virtuous. And then also I think the more common definition of virtual these days is computer related. Sure. Uh, yeah. But it is derived from the, actually it's very interesting. It's kind of derived from the same Latin root both virtuous and virtual, even though the definitions are completely different. Mm. Uh, another interesting thing, yeah, so derived from uh, virtus, the Latin, and virtuous, late Latin, combined into medieval Latin, which is vert virtualis, vert virtualis. <laughs> Let's say that again, virtualis, virtualis, which is medieval Latin. What's interesting, I think, about when you look at the two words that we use today, virtuous and virtual, the use of the word virtual has climbed, was pretty low for a while. And then in the computer age, in the 90s is when it started taking off as far as its usage. But then you look at the graph on the Google machine for the usage of virtuous and that starts out in the 1800s very high usage and then plummets as as time <laughs> goes forward I, I don't think that's that's not necessarily the most accurate thing but i just thought it was weird that something that you think of as far as some sort of moral makeup that declines as technology increases hmm. do you what are your thoughts on that I know that's kind of like a, a deep sort of... That is, yeah. yeah. Um, Does technology make us more virtuous or less virtuous? Well, judging by the graph, less, right? But, well, right. But we also don't that's know just, if there's correlation. Yeah, that, that's just usage, right? Yeah. We're not talking about... Hmm. We, we use the word less, but does it make us more or less virtuous? I mean, it's 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 about the person, I think. Yeah, I would say it depends on the person, but I could uh, I could see it being less less virtuous, I guess, as people become more, I guess, similar to one another, uh, yeah. which kind of you know would coincide with virtual rising, uh, like with social media and wanting to copy the latest trends or what have you. Right. You know, where you have virtuous being like your morals and your overall makeup of what makes you you know how i guess act how you act or whatever right um so i guess there could be a little bit of correlation there yeah definitely someone who is who has high moral i guess standards or whatever would use whatever technology in the way that they were brought up so i think 
there might be a correlation because there's more temptation with technology to utilize it in in a way that brings benefit. So maybe that's I think maybe that's the the issue here with like let's look at social media. How many people out there would just go out in the middle of the street and yell their opinion at people right. before we had Twitter? No one, right? I mean, very little. Yeah. <laughs> there Unless, are some people. Yeah. I think technology is more of a temptation as far as virtues are concerned. So what is the negative impact? I don't know. I, I think there might be there might be a correlation. There might not be. But I just thought it was an interesting question. Sure, know? yeah. The application we're talking about is is mostly computer oriented for you. Sure, yeah, okay. I would say so. Have you ever used virtual reality kind of mechanisms or anything? I have, yeah. Uh, I've I've done like the PlayStation VR. Oh, okay, um, yeah, uh, I've played. Is that the one that need you need the Move controllers for? Yep, uh huh. Two yeah. of the Move controllers. Pretty impressive that they were able to repurpose those because they were kind of. Po- not pointless, but they were kind of left alone. Right. Like they they kind of didn't really care about them for years. Yeah. And uh, then they figured out, oh, well, you know, a lot of people own these. We could, you know, find a way to repurpose them. Yeah. Um, they go back to the to the PlayStation P- 3 days? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Because I remember uh, there was, a, there was a, a game that I thought was really fascinating as far as kind of like a weird race game where I forget what it was called. But it was like you were on a chair and you were going down a hill and you would mm. do all sorts of weird tricks. But it was like an office chair. It was like office chair races, but it was sort of like a weird kind of like race game involving dodging people and jumping in, on this office chair. <laughs> just sounds strange. like a – Yeah, just yeah. it's a really strange uh, – obviously uh, not to profile, but Japanese sort of game. But yeah, office chair races. Hmm. Downhill office chair races well, I mean, with tricks and stuff. Yeah. Like, how else would you do it? <laughs> As you are saying, the move controllers, were, uh, they yeah. repurposed for the use in virtual reality. Yeah, I would say the PSVR, it's definitely a cool experience. Yeah. Um, people that I've talked to that have played them are kind of on the fence. Some people really like it. Right. Some think it's a little gimmicky, uh, that it's not a really you know long-term thing that you would use. Yeah. I kind of fall somewhere in the middle on yeah. that. I didn't use mine a whole lot. Okay. Mostly because there's always like a cat in the way or wanting to mess with the wires. Oh, also yeah. setting it up was kind of a pain in the ass. And you also need like a defined space. Right. You know, where you can fit it. So at as it is right now, uh, I would say yeah, it's somewhere in the middle. I wouldn't call it a total gimmick, but right. maybe we're not all the way there yet. Yeah. And I think it's hard to talk about virtual I guess we can talk about the word virtual as it doesn't relate to video games, but it's really hard not to. These days, for sure. I think there are a lot of applications you'd be able to use a virtual space for, but I think most of, well, maybe my listener audience and maybe you and myself, most of our exposures to virtual sort of things are game specific. Yeah. What about like a virtual machine? Like uh, how you can run oh, like Windows on your Mac. Where I work, we've got certain certain virtual environments mm-hmm. where it's not an actual server. It's um, it's actually mimicking what a server would look like and how the space it takes up. But yeah, virtual or is like, an environment that is supposed to be nearly like Windows. Right. Yeah. 
or nearly like whatever system you mirror it to be, right? Do you use that in work? Are, so, so what is it you do these days? You do programming, right? Yeah, I, uh, I am a software engineer. Uh, currently looking for work, actually, in that field. So I guess I can't officially say that. But uh, yeah, that'd be like my field of work. Yeah. Yeah. So have you ever used that? I mean, are those those are environments that you uh, write code to be used in, or is it a consideration? Like when you're writing code, like is this particular program that i write in was it python sure yeah, um or whatever or language what, yeah is it going to where is it going to be used in which environment is going to be used it's definitely a concern yeah you have to know like what the machine is going to be one of the languages i use a lot is java because java actually has like the java virtual machine yeah which allows it to be run on any machine Okay. It actually runs on that, yeah. and then it's converted into whatever machine-specific you know bytecode you need at that point. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that way you can develop your applications for you know you don't even have to worry about what it's going to be run on as long as they have Java. It can be run in the same way every time. So this is where it gets confusing for me with Java. Java sure. is the language, but isn't it also the part of the environment too? Yeah, it's uh, so there's like the Java development kit. Uh-huh. And then in that, you have the actual language, the runtime environment, the virtual machine, which is where your uh, code is actually ran and executed. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like the whole package development kit is referred to as, as Java, Java, but there is like the Java language as okay. well, which comes with it. Now, what's the difference between Java and JavaScript? Ooh. Okay. So JavaScript is actually a scripting language that you use in your web browsers. So okay. uh, for when you're doing interweb stuff, uh, JavaScript <laughs> <laughs> can uh, be very powerful there. Whereas Java is actually a server-side language, and it's what's called object-oriented. Yes. Uh, so it's JavaScript, you can actually do object-oriented programming, but it's not really designed for it. Yeah. And there actually isn't really a whole lot of links between the two. Yeah. Uh, it's mostly that... JavaScript was trying to capitalize off of how popular Java was when it first uh, was uh, introduced. Okay. Yeah, so they pretty much just tacked the name on to kind of be like, go off of that name recognition, I guess. So, it was a, so it's the same company? Is it a brand recognition They're, sort of thing? Yeah, so it wasn't at the time, actually. Um, nowadays, I think Oracle owns uh, both. I was going to say it's Oracle. Yeah. Probably, yeah. But at the time, I think it was just they wanted to, you know, there were so many different languages out there. Java was really popular. So they were like, oh, well, this is JavaScript. Right. But But there are no similarities between the languages. I mean, there there are. They just, they accomplish different things. uh, And, you know, and... They're focused on different different tasks. Right, yeah. Like, because JavaScript, that's more of like on the the web side or like you know what the user is interacting with whereas the server like java is doing the behind the scenes stuff most of the time okay. and obviously that's if you're just looking at it for web development you could use java for you know whatever right, applications right. but yeah so java is more you can use it for more stuff whereas javascript is just basically just web for the most part yeah. uh recently they actually have come out with like node uh, which is like an extension of JavaScript, which okay. allows you to run it as a server and uh, do backend type stuff. Virtually um, as a server? Pretty much. I, I, I would think right. so. Yeah, yeah, I think we're on to something here. We're all tying <laughs> it in. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah, interesting to me 
but I'm not a code monkey, so I don't. I mean, the last language I I learned was uh, Fortran seventy seven. Oh, and for my work, I also know Mumps, which is a language. Just look it up, see what it is. But Mumps, it's, yeah, hmm. it, it's a it's a hierarchical database. Like as far as languages are concerned, there's a certain set of concepts that kind of are the same from language to language. Sure. One of the things you mentioned was object-oriented. Object-oriented, and my understanding of what that means, is bits of code that are or objects that are reusable within a, a script. Yes. Okay. Or not a script, but in your code. Right, right? in a program, sure. Now, that's the confusing thing with me when you're talking about object-oriented programming as opposed to just regular programming, is loops are used in multiple times and things, but those aren't objects. Right. Those are just coding loops. What right. is, what makes an object beneficial as opposed to, so are we talking about, I, I developed this object and then I can use it in multiple programs? Is that what the benefit is? Yeah, that is one of the benefits. Like, say you're trying to represent basketball players. Okay. Right? Um, instead of trying to create multiple basketball players, like doing it all separately or whatever, you could create a basketball player object okay. where it has attributes like height, uh, weight, you know, what their name is. And you can set those attributes based on, you know, which player you're trying to create, let's say. Right. Uh, that sounds like a template. Right, and it, it's pretty similar. You uh, you create a class, essentially, that represents whatever you're trying to create, and then you can use that class to create the instances of the objects. Okay. So you'd create a, a class called basketball player, let's say. Right. And then you would get your object by calling that class. It would, like, create, so to speak, like a blueprint. Okay, so uh, it's like, hey, uh, give, me a, give me a basketball player. So that was the cl the class is basketball player, and then this object was what what would be used to create the stats of the basketball player or create the basketball player. Sort of like so instead of saying like, well, I'm going to create you know a basketball player, and well, they need to have a height and they need to have a weight, and you know do that for every single one. You would have this this template you know, so to speak, that would allow you to set those variables so that they're all like uniform essentially. And then they can all be adjusted independently later. Okay. But the main, the main thing that makes uh, an object useful is its utility as far as reuse for sure. Reuse. Yeah. Okay. And in cases where it wasn't that way, you didn't have objects and classes in older languages, you would just have to rewrite the code exactly the way it was right is, sure. is that my understanding that, that's my understanding i just didn't it's a tough thing to uh to try and think about um yeah, yeah and i'm and i'm probably not doing the greatest job explaining either but you can use them to represent real life things and then you can use them to to build on each other too um right. you know like for instance you could have a basketball team which is composed of basketball player objects and the team itself could be an object as our own object right. with its own uh -huh. i'm i'm slowly losing my, my my eyes are glazing over right now and <laughs> Isn't i know this super exciting and i know that noras are probably closed long closed <laughs> some people just like coding yeah and like solving those problems and i did my fill and i'm done i just don't I, it's just not something that 
I, you know, I can do it in a pinch, but it's not something I am passionate about. For sure. I do think there is a good overlap, though, from like objects like that and virtual, because a big part of it is trying to find ways to represent everyday objects or whatever you need to represent as code, you know? So there is an overlap for sure. Okay. So, but it's a, but it's a logically like objects as they're programmed can't rep, they can represent something brand new that's never been created, right? Right. But then how do you classify that to make it? I don't know. You know what? <laughs> let's not even go there. Let's go back. To, let's go back to virtual. Yeah, because <laughs> because I am I am starting to confuse myself with with coding and objects. That was one of the things where it's like that, and also, do you know much about databases? Uh-huh. Where you've got relational is what everyone uses, right? Yeah, relational that's the big database. one now. There still is like non-relational, non-relatable ones as well. Yeah. Um, like no SQL. That's like what that, oh, if you've ever that, heard of that, or is like that, MongoDB, stuff like that. Is that all hierarchical? I mean, is that how it stores the data? Oh, actually, I'm not too sure. I just okay. know that it, it doesn't store them like necessarily as, as uh, tables and related, relational. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I know that hierarchical is just trees of data, right? It's just branches. So each 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 branch can have another yeah that's right that's right and then, so that would be the hierarchical database as opposed to something where you store everything in tables and then you relate the the like columns and yep. all fascinating stuff it is it's fun stuff yeah yeah for for some people <laughs> yeah you've got your home uh experience with virtual stuff the wires is a big thing as technology develops and advances i think those things are going to go away like yeah, you've got your. You already have like some models that are completely wireless. Yeah, for sure. Oc- like Oculus, Oculus Quest. Yeah, either the Quest or the Rift. I know. Yeah, those. one of the two. <laughs> yeah, one of those. I think it would be. That's the, a huge part having yeah. no wires because nothing breaks the immersion factor more than tripping over or trying to make sure you're not going to trip over or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, so I think they have to figure that out, and I think the other part of it is movement, and they've kind of. You know, there's some of it that they figured out in the sense of like teleporting because, you know, if you have movement in VR, a lot of people get nauseous. Right, right. And they get motion sickness. Mm -hmm. Teleporting kind of alleviates that, but then you're also breaking a little bit of the immersion factor. Right. You know, it's like, oh, if I want to go over to the other side of the street, I want to be able to walk over there, you know, if I'm playing like a virtual GTA, let's say. Right. I don't want to, I just all of a sudden, whoop, I'm over there. You know, that's not as fun or whatever. People get motion sick when they're not yeah. moving their legs, but they're moving their in character. the environment. Yeah. yeah, I had that. My friend brought over. I want to say the Oculus Quest, but one of the standalone ones. And I played a game that was you were on a roller coaster, and you it was part roller coaster and part shooting game. Oh, so you okay. were shooting targets as you were on this roller coaster. I think I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I actually did get not nauseous, but it was like. I felt like I was moving when I wasn't moving, so I would lose my balance. Yeah, and all I needed to do was like say, "Hey, can you just hold on to my leg? Just just put your hand on my leg, and then I was fine." Because it was like there was an there was something that they may not have been holding me at all, but just that sensory input was enough to enough to like ground you a little. Yeah. Whereas if you put something on your head and you're holding something, those are things that we always feel. Yes. But something like on my leg 
has a stabilized, it's not something that normally happens, right? So it's like I've kind of got a different association with that. Sure. So I was I was perfectly fine. Once she just touched my leg, I was good, which is very interesting. <laughs> yeah. um, there's also, you, you were talking about the disorienting nature, right? Yes. Have you ever had that? A little bit, not in the sense of like, I mean, I've, I've gotten nauseous from playing and I would have to like take a break or whatever. I get like sweaty or hot feeling. Right. But you know, another one that I had, especially when I first started doing VR like extensively, like I'm not even talking like hours, but like maybe an hour and a half at a time. Right. Um, when I would end that session and like, you know, take off the headset and everything, uh-huh. it didn't like feel like I was in VR still, but it almost did. For instance, if I wanted to pick up the remote, it would feel like my characters reaching out to grab the remote, oh, wow. not so much me. Because, yeah. you know, when you're in the game, as opposed to when you're playing like, you know, on a flat screen TV, you're just holding a controller doing whatever. It's easy to have that separation of, oh, it's not actually me doing this or whatever. Right. But right. when you're actually in VR and it's like, pick up the pistol or whatever you have to do, you have to actually reach out and pick it up. Right. You know, you're actually in, involving your limbs more. Mm-hmm. And then once I took it off, it was like, you know, it's not like I was like, oh, I'm still in there or something. But, you know, I reach out to get my drink and it like has that same feel as when I'm in the game kind of. Obviously yeah. not picking up the glass, but like just that overall action or whatever. Yeah. It, it started feeling more, I guess, simulated. You know, not that I was actually convinced that I'm like, oh, I'm not actually doing this, but... You're in the Matrix. Yeah, it it did have a little, like, I don't know, weird feel to it, you know. Do you think that's going to be the big big hurdle when when we all start doing virtual reality is the the disconnect? I I mean, the getting out of it. Because they do... uh, I did see the movie, you know, you've seen the movie, The Matrix, The Matrix movies. Yeah. the, The Wachowskis have done what four of them now yeah and i did actually watch the resurrections one recently we'll talk about that a little later though do you think that's you know they they have that when you disconnect there's going to be this sort of sensory overload kind of readjustment period depending on how long you've been in there i think so definitely because i'm telling you it was only like an hour or two but like when I came out, it was weird, and I googled it because I was like, I wonder if this is just me being like, you know, right, myself about it. No, like a lot of people have reported having this feeling yeah. of feeling like you're more or less still not like still in VR, but kind of like you have that same feel when you're doing stuff. Is it sort of like an out of body experience? Kinda, yeah. Because like you know, when you're in a a game and you're first person, you can look down, see your hand, you know, whatever it is. Right. And you know, you see your guy reach out and grab something, and then yeah, it's kind of it does feel like, I guess, kind of dissociative or how, what you know, however you would say it, where. Yeah, it's like, you know, yeah, that's me doing it, but it's like, it just feels different. Yeah. I have had things where the visual display, I've gotten sick because the visual display twitches. Oh, okay. So there have been reasons why I've gotten sick, but that's the only time I've felt nauseous in VR is when there's some sort of glitch where, you know, whatever the mechanism is, is making the screen do things that you wouldn't normally have it do. Sure. I can Um, see that being, yeah. Yeah. And that was on one particular paid simulation I did that I was really annoyed that I paid so much for. There uh, was another game. This this um, 
company uh, based out of Chicago that's called well I don't know what the main company is but the but the place that you go is called Mass VR. It's basically a l- very large play area. Like think of uh, a mall. You go to the mall, you go to the JC Penney's. In the case of this mall it was double decker. Like that much space where you are free to walk around and investigate that large of a space in virtual reality. So it doesn't feel like you're in a tiny room, like what you said with being in your living room or even just like a, a much larger box. It was much larger. So you were walking around like normal with this headset on. Mass VR, my friend Corey introduced me to it. They've got a couple of different games you can play there. One, which is called uh, Hollow Realm, which is a ghosts versus humans kind of game where the ghosts can only be seen when they're moving. And you as a human can shoot the ghost, you know, like when you see them, kill them or whatever. But the ghosts have a different task, which is they try and eliminate the ghost hunters all they have to do is just stand still, touch them to eliminate them. But they can also float and they can float up to the ceiling and things like that. But then also your your humans have different mechanisms that they can use. But they have limited charges and they're it's a fun little game, but it's a much larger sort of environment. And it doesn't feel it feels like you're just walking around in an environment, right? Because you have that space to walk. There's another game i forget what it's called but it's it's just basically like a death match sort of game right where you run around and you shoot and you can pick up different guns you just kind of swipe and then on your little gun that you have you can choose which weapon you equip so it's basically like unreal tournament in a virtual environment one of the things that you can do in that game is zip lines so that's the only thing that's the tricky part as far as motion. Yeah. When you get on a zip line, all you have to do is reach up, but it just feels really weird. Right. Cause <laughs> when yeah. yeah. What I do is I put one of my knees behind my other knee to stabilize myself before I reach up. That way I don't, you know, fall, fall. over. Anything. Yeah. And then also it's an interesting sort of computer problem as far as if you're displaced in the virtual, you know, you're not displaced in the real environment, but you're displaced in the virtual environment. You know what I mean? Sure. So how do you, you're keeping track of where people are in the virtual environment, but that differs from the real environment. So when you come into contact with someone, like in the physical world, you'll see a little outline saying, oh, avoid this person. And there are multiple levels too. It's not like it's just a flat surface, right? So that can mean someone's right below you but typically, that's not what it means because they're displaced because they use the zip line, so they're somewhere else. But, but right, it's it's really interesting and a lot of fun. I, I didn't think I was going to have so much fun with it, but it's really cool. It's like laser tag, but uh, but you know, like with yeah. different weapons. And see, that's what I was thinking. Like that sounds really fun, but it's like you know, it sounds like laser tag or like going to an amusement park in the sense that it's a, you know, once every now and then kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm, I am curious to see like what the future is as far as like everyday use or like, you know, from your own home. Right. You know, there, there's the idea of maybe having 
like I I, th- I think I've seen like a prototype of this actually like a treadmill type thing that allows you to move your feet or whatever and it can adjust oh, yeah. in the direction you're going. Right. That way you actually can run around and not get that disconnect or whatever. Right. I think that has potential if they could figure out how to do that and you know obviously it's going to be really costly though that's the biggest thing. You can have other industries investigate that thing because there would be also be it's like something like that as a treadmill-oriented thing that can also be used for exercise, but then also your environment while you're doing your exercise yeah. can be virtual. There's definitely the possibility for some like crossover there. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I then mean, you even, have like Peloton and whatever being like the virtual right. biking, so there is like an extension there, I think. Yeah. When you talk about virtual reality, what do you think of as virtual reality as opposed to just something that is a simulator. I know there's an overlap there, but it's like when you get into a pod, for example, and you've got like a lot of different controls and things, is that virtual? Maybe not by the generally accepted definition of virtual reality. Exactly. Um, But I think you could definitely stretch it to be that in the sense that it's something that's not necessarily real like in this case it's tangible like if you're talking about like a flight sim or whatever right but it's not actually a a plane cockpit it's still trying to you know just imitate it right Um, so in that sense it is it's giving you that chance of having that experience without actually doing it right but you know there is the physicalness of it so yeah it's nearly reality i guess just insofar as it's a simulator, but I mean, if you were in an actual robot, for example, like a Battletech robot maybe, and you get in there, you would be in a cockpit that's like that. So technically, it is virtual. I, you know, I think as far as the actual... It's a semantic to, argument, It is, right? it is. I think in general, you would. I guess it would be the, the, what your eyes see. Right. I guess, like, as far as the cutoff of what VR is versus simulation. Because, you know, if you're playing, like, like I'm really big into iRacing. I think we talked yeah, about, we on talk one about of the that other episodes. Our, yes. Yeah. So I don't use my PlayStation VR with that because it's not compatible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just use the screen. So for me, that's like just simulation, right? Because, right. you know, there's no actual, like, the whole time I know I'm in my living room or whatever. But there are a lot of people that do throw on VR like headsets and still use the steering wheel or whatever right and that is vr definitely did you say you did that with the star wars i did yeah i've I've done vr with star wars rogue oh squadrons yeah yeah okay did that give you a level of immersion that was that made it more fun or was it more distracting or a bit of both, I would say. Yeah? Yeah, because, uh, you know, you're not using, in that sense, um, actually, I think you do use the controller in squadrons. It was No Man's Sky that I'm thinking of. No Man's Sky, you actually fly with, like, your PlayStation Move controllers. You actually grab, like, the flight controls on the ship and stuff. Oh, okay. Which, that's really cool, but it's a little, it makes it tougher, for sure. Because, right. like, you have to think about what you're actually doing with the sticks and whatever, not just using your analog sticks. Right. Um, Why don't they have a glove? Why like don't the they power have, glove? Well, <laughs> not like the power glove. Because the power glove was just a controller yeah. uh, mounted on your wrist. It wasn't really, you weren't really doing much virtually with it. I think gloves are, are where it's going to go. You like, think? Ma- yeah, once they have better, maybe, detection. I'm not sure what's holding it back. 
but because then you would have a more accurate like what you're doing with your hands yeah you could actually you know grab something but not just press a button that would be much more immersive I would right think. and then with haptics it would feel like you're actually holding the object sure, as yeah. opposed to that kind of technology is slowly advancing in gaming I, I would think that that would have to exist in other fields currently somehow, like, you know, um, like maybe medical or like prosthetics or things like where you can tap into those types of real world things. What, what, do, you, what do you think virtual reality has to contribute to other things that are not gaming? Because like travel is one of those things, but sure. you can gamify travel. Travel would definitely be one. Uh, I actually think... Uh, sporting events has a big oh, yeah. possibility. They actually already have in- introduced this. ESPN um, does have have an NBA, right? Like was, yeah, for yeah. VR, where you can actually like sit courtside and yeah. you're in the arena. Right now, I I haven't done it. I've always wanted to, but it wasn't supported. I don't think on PSVR. Or at least I couldn't figure it out. Like right, it was some other third party app or something. But yeah. but I think that is awesome. Yeah. Like the uh, the ability to do that, even if it's not the same high def. You know, like is if you're watching it on TV, the uh, the ability to actually be in the arena to like look around up above you and see people or whatever, yeah, that could be really cool, yeah, and could give people that maybe don't really have the ability to go to games, like maybe a fan that's living in Australia of the Phoenix Suns. Right. You know, I actually follow multiple on Twitter, right, where they're you know big Suns fans on the other side of the world. They could definitely, you know, put on their headset and be inside the Suns arena. I mean, how cool could that be? That would be cool. But then at some point, people would stop going to games, right? See, I, And I, people would start, you know, then you'd have to simulate the crowds and then things like... I don't like, know if we'll ever reach that, though. You I don't think, think so? I think there... I mean, maybe. But it would be a, a ways off. You would have to make it to where there's literally no, you know, advantage, really, to going to the games. And even now... Your overall viewing experience is better at home, even on a TV, than going to a game. Most right. of the time you go to a game, you can hardly see, depending on where you're sitting. I think that there's always going to be that appeal to actually being there, to being able to say, oh, yeah, I was actually there. See, I, I, I disagree with you on that. I really? think it's so much better going to a game than it is watching on television. See, that's what I'm saying. Oh, like, okay. The experience is better. Okay. And, you know, it is... I'm just saying purely on a view standpoint, when you're watching on TV, you get right up in the pitcher's face if it's baseball. Yeah. You know, if there's a hit, you see the instant replay in slow-mo, 4K HD, just from your couch. You know, you can go use the bathroom. It's not a big trough with like 20 dudes lined up at it. <laughs> there's a lot should, of advantages viewing-wise you know, at I the was, house. I was thinking of putting in a trough in my apartment, a big 20-person <laughs> trough. Well, maybe you could just get a VR headset and maybe there'll be like I could a simulate it. urine simulator. Exactly. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Someone's working on it. I know someone is. I agree. Like actually being at the event has that appeal. Right. Like even if you don't have the best seats, right. the fact that you're there, you could talk with the people around you, yeah. whatever, get Interact the food, have a beer. Yeah. That's always going to have that appeal, I think. And even if it, you know, if anything, you'll see the prices drop before like people just aren't there, you know, because even if they're like, okay, well, if we can't charge, you know, $200 for a courtside seat, how about a hundred? Now somebody's, okay, I'll take it. And obviously those prices are way off, but just for example. Yeah, no, no, I know. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. You can adjust the price of things, but having the option to do it virtually is a, is I think a novelty at first. And yeah, I, 
I know specifically what you're talking about with that NBA because I saw there was a there's I, I think I talked about this on a previous show, but the NBA has an augmented reality sort of app that allows you to experience a very small segment of that. It's filming all 360 degrees, but it's a warm up. So like uh, the Chicago Bulls warming up before a game or whatever. Oh, okay, yeah. What you do is you set down a door. It's augmented reality. It's not virtual, right? You set down a door somewhere in the real environment, and then you walk through that door, and then you can hear the sounds of the arena through the device, and then also look around and see what everyone's doing and walk around it a little bit. That's really cool. But how far are we away from being able to walk in an environment like that and have it captured on video, I think we're pretty far away. Yeah, I would think so. Because there's only so much of that that you can simulate. I think something watching a game from a seat, you know, everyone's in the same seat that watching is. the same game, but the moving around part, I think that's that's the part that's going to be tough to simulate. Yeah. Like you said, going to the bathroom and using the trough. Right? <laughs> yeah. I need the full immersion experience. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, well, you know, another one that's interesting is is movies, and that's something that's already on like PSVR, but the, you know they'll actually like essentially give you a theater to sit in. Okay. So you're actually like at the movies, so to speak, and there's like a giant screen, you know, because they can right. make it pretty much as big as you would want. So I do think there's like a a little bit of a application there as well. What, what th- about filming movies? Like oh, in like virtual reality in VR? Yeah. That, you know, that's actually a good point because they already even did that that hardcore Henry that came out like, I think it was like seven years ago. And it was a movie that was like entirely in first person. Okay. It was like a kind of like Call of Duty. Like it was like some guy who was doing like a first person shooter, but it was like a movie. Okay. So that's already kind of in that direction. I could see them like making an entire movie like that for VR where you just throw on your headset and you're in it. But- and actually... Uh, I don't know if you want to add something there. Oh, I was going to say, but that's not experiencing the movie from whatever angle you want to. See, that's what I'm oh, thinking. Like, oh, I so see like, what you're saying. So like, you know, filming the movie. Yeah, I understand that where you're experiencing the movie from the perspective of whoever the character is. That's kind of interesting. And then you can look around at stuff that they couldn't, they can't show you. But you're saying like. Actual like experiencing. So I like walk over here and I could miss a scene over there. Yes, that's cool. That's okay. I hadn't even thought about that. But, yeah. Like I could actually like walk around Shrek Swamp. Right. While right. he's being. You know, right. And yeah. you get some sort of a notification of something happening over in wherever, where there's like a key scene or whatever if you want to check it out. Yeah. But then you can also have like Easter egg opportunities where there are things that are hidden in certain areas and you could rewind it. Or maybe you could find like other characters doing something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that has to do with the story. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, I think that would be gamifying movies to a point where some people would not want, would not be that invested into it, but your fan, your fanboys would. I think there's a idea there. Cause yeah. then look at, uh, like the black mirror movie, the Bandersnatch. Yeah. That was like yeah. an interactive movie as well. And people loved that. It was like, super you know talked about and right and it was the same kind of thing of like well you're not really playing a game but you're able to make choices right you know and in this case it would kind of be similar like you could move around or choose which area you want to watch maybe yeah exactly well there would be more freedom right 
Yeah. Um, it would still be a closed environment as far as where everything was filmed, but but the freedom to walk around the environment. What about like TV shows that way? I mean, I know that's really similar to movies, but yeah. but the sense of it being like you think like episodic things would yes. would lend itself more to that kind of thing because of movies have. Or maybe Much not more, more, but just differently. Yeah, because a movie is more yeah linear, I guess. But you know, with movies also they're different environments, right? You go from Bangladesh to France sure. to different places in the U.S., whereas a television show, generally, that's changing. But it's like it takes place in a smaller sort of yeah. environment. No, yeah, and I, and I think like you know, as far as like the community aspect, everybody wanting to talk about it, trying to figure out what the secret is or whatever depending on what the show is right you know like when game of thrones was really big like everybody was talking about the different theories of you know who the parents are or whatever yeah and you know i think like what you're saying could definitely be a big part of that like the ability to like investigate different areas of the map so to speak to see like I heard this conversation while I was over here at time code blah 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 and then everybody goes over there and checks it out yeah 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 I think, I think there's there's definitely a spot for that. Do you think using VR, I have this feeling it's it's more for entertainment and that's where it's going to stay for quite some time. I mean, I see VR being used for simulating sort of situations that you wouldn't necessarily want to find yourself in. But I don't know if we have the computing power to simulate things in se- with such accuracy like you know like a holodeck or something like right. a star trek thing i'm almost wondering like if it could be used for like investigations too, like you know criminal investigations or something oh Re- yeah recreate a crime scene right or and actually on- be able to like walk around and mess with stuff without actually affecting you know the evidence or whatever yeah also like if everything's being filmed like like it's becoming more and more in life true yeah not to derail this conversation, but I saw, and I don't know how long it stayed up, but it was one of these alerts through like MSNBC or so. It was a local alert. Told me about a crime where someone had been shot at, you know, shot at a group of people. And it actually showed footage of this guy walking out from behind a building and you see him hold a gun and shoot just randomly at something. Mm-hmm. and then go behind the building and run behind the building and then the police officers were there but it's like if that's being filmed what else is being i don't i don't want to get all oh that's like that could be a whole nother episode yeah cameras yeah. cameras <laughs> filming definitely yeah. you know a big part of it too is like it's so hard to predict like you said right i was watching the, f- the future uh, you mean yes well yeah and like the- obviously, right? <laughs> <laughs> Great point, Paul. But no, but I was watching uh, like an old video of uh, Letterman where Bill Gates is on it and he's talking about computers. And right. this is like before the big burst of like dot com boom and everything. Right. And even when, when Letterman asks him like, so what's the future of computers? Like he has no idea. Oh, well, it could... We're, we're still trying to find, you know, what the, all the uses could be. And, you know, you could be using this to check your mail and you could use it to do your work. It's just such a small vision of what it ended up being. You know, like he's seeing it as like a way to complete work tasks, essentially. Right. <laughs> Is he saying that 
because he's trying to appeal to uh, masses. Even just like the social media aspect, how yeah, it's yeah. like everyone has their phone or whatever. Obviously, right. that's a type of computer, and nobody saw that explosion, which now, like, it seems obvious. Of course, people want to stay in touch and post all about themselves online. As far as him specifically, I, I don't think he had the vision. I think he had the drive more than the vision. Who had the vision was Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Yeah, he was the one who had the like, more the creative mind as far as all these different things. If we're talking about it in the like systems universe, like your Sony and your Microsoft are Microsoft. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> your Apple was like Nintendo. Nintendo. Yeah. Right. Okay. They try and you know envision these they weird think differently. They do actually. Is that part of? Is that one of their taglines? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> think different. Yeah, and that's not proper English. I think it's think differently, but whatever. Think different. maybe it is think differently. I don't I mean, know. Who knows? Maybe you should think differently and make it think different. Perhaps I'm reading too much into it. It's it's unpredictable, right? Yeah, but but I mean, the people that are the creatives, I think, have a part to play in this because they can determine the direction in a way that your more analytical folks. Oh yeah, that's good. Let's do that, but better. You know, yeah. that that seemed to be his MO, right? Sure. Whereas Steve Jobs, I mean, this is not you need them both in this environment to kind of figure out. And then also media has a big big part to play in it too. The hoverboard. Would we be talking about people wanting to have a make a hoverboard if it wasn't for Back to the Future? Probably not. I don't think people wanted a hoverboard before that. I don't know. Did you Maybe. want a hoverboard? Well, I don't know. There wasn't a, a before that for me. You know, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, but it's I mean, been planted in it's me. it's like yeah, it's a, it's a skateboard without wheels. It's just magnets or whatever. You've got people who create the future in their head, and then other people go, "Yeah, that's a great idea." But then they're truly visionary people who create something that's wholly unique. Yeah, and that's where I think virtual reality what it's used for currently is mimicking situations that we know day to day sure instead of something like i showed you the trailer for the 1966 movie fantastic voyage which you should see the trailer because they are really dramatic about how you knew and unique they are in that in that movie groundbreaking stuff groundbreaking yes never been done before right right first time ever yeah. You know, some people go to space, some people go to various, you know, other exotic locations, but we go into the human body. Yeah. And I think that's that would be an interesting sort of place to take virtual reality is places where we can't go. But there's also something where creating things, I mean, I guess anything we create would be based on reality anyway. Like how would you set you talk about rules or laws? Uh, when we were talking about this with, with Aunt Nora, you could set up your environment however you wanted to set it up. So you could have whatever laws of nature and physics. Sure. But I think what people want to experience is something close to reality. What will make virtual reality um, more viable in the future? Is it the fact that it can mimic things that are, sim you know, that are situations in real life? Or is it something where it's an exploration thing that you don't know what you're going to find? It's it's a mystery. Yeah. 
I guess it would probably depend on the on the person. Um, I think there is a place for both, right? Because uh, you know the exploration side of it, it sounds awesome. The ability to maybe go to a world that you know doesn't exist or whatever, like go to Star Wars and be on Hoth or something. But that's still based in. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's that's like, not that's not like something where I'm going to become a gas molecule. I see it, yeah. In the sun or whatever, or <laughs> <laughs> sun simulator. And even that's based on reality and science yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's like a wholly unique thing that we can say that you've never done this. But I mean, doing a virtual reality tour through a human body would be pretty interesting. I think you know, bringing up the human body like that. I think there's like the application of it being used for education, definitely. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and not even just like higher level, but even just teaching kids. Like kids have such short attention spans. If you could somehow work VR and like make it interactive where they're actually, you know, it's not the magic school bus where they're watching it on a little TV, <laughs> but they're actually in a magic school bus, like flying through a body. Right. That could be right. huge for a kid, like yeah. actually remembering stuff and like having that uh yeah interaction yeah more of a, a more of a kinesthetic sort of experience as opposed to you know visual or auditory only yeah. or whatever and yeah. i mean you could even like thinking about it not <laughs> i have this great idea but like you could even get rid of the whole like distractions uh that are caused in the classroom with that oh yeah because you could turn off people's ability to speak so to speak <laughs> God <damn it>. yikes <laughs> well i know that sounds kind of dystopian but like <laughs> in a classroom setting i've got you know, a couple i've got a couple of people on my list i wish i could turn them <laughs> off as far you know, as but like, when they speak you could just have your whole class so to speak be in this virtual setting right. where they have no ability to communicate with each other and you could even, if you wanted to be really controlling, be like, you have to look where we're telling you to look or whatever. Then you could also turn off another uh, on and off other pairings. Like if you pair up with someone, right, you can turn on the pairing between yeah, Jimmy and, then, and Timmy and they can they explore can together and that's beneficial. Or you could have it as a group thing or you can... I think it does, you're right, I think virtual reality does have a wonderful opportunity in education. The only problem is it's education. Yeah. And we as a society have made it abundantly clear that we value that far less as we develop. Yeah. For whatever reason, right? Sure. And I think that's, that's the problem is you can't develop something for education without the money and what sells entertainment and games and things like that. Whereas, That's a good point. Yep. you know, education, it could be valuable for someone who's a visionary, but it's not going to sell. So no one's going to invest in it. It is interesting though. In that case, we, we don't know because VR itself could take off. Right. And then it could just be like a branch off of that. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be we're investing in education in vr it could just be vr itself takes off and then people have access to it right like think about cell phones yeah. cell phones are actually used in classrooms a lot now where you can actually yeah. you could do polls or whatever and they're not supplying the kids with cell phones they just happen to have them already right right i don't you know who knows maybe 20 30 years or even longer take a scale 200 years right could we have a little thing that's the size of a tic-tac that you just stick you know like in black mirror where you just stick it to your temple 
And then all of a sudden it's like you're in. And that could be something where it's not school supplied. It's just part of that student's world anyway. And we've got all sorts of things though, as far as we're, we're still learning what virtual reality does to the human body. That too. For pro- prolonged exposure. And I think there are a lot of very... So maybe not an all day thing, but... Yeah, I think, you know... But like field trips. Right, right. Today we're going to take a field trip inside the human body. Bam, yeah. There you go. And you can do it from anywhere. You don't have to rent a, a school bus or, or whatever. Yeah, or like we're going to go to the National History Museum or yeah. whatever. And it's all virtual. Yeah. There's a lot of things also with travel, I think, that, that could be useful. But I just don't think that virtual reality will really take off until... I say this. <laughs> until all of the senses are involved somehow. Being able to eat the popcorn at a basketball game or eat a hot dog. Yeah. Or at the very least, trick the brain into thinking that you're doing it. Yep. But that's dangerous territory that is also. dangerous territory. Because then <laughs> that's it's very Black Mirror. Yes. That's and like, it's part of that, how much access do you give to, you know, to be able to do that, you would have to give up a lot of access. You'd have to probably give a direct pipeline to your brain, I would right. assume. I don't know how else you would yeah. do it. I, Unless I, it's like you get knocked out and it's transmitted, you know, I don't know. I, I've talked about this movie on the show. I just love the movie. It connected with me somehow. It's called Brainstorm. Hmm. And, and the movie Brainstorm it's Natalie Wood's last movie. She died during the making of it. It almost didn't get made. The movie itself involves death, and there's you know there's all sorts of like mm-hmm. second gunman theories around what happened there. But Christopher Walken is the main lead. It is about this piece of technology that he and a scientist are working on for a company that's being funded, of course, surprise, surprise, by the government, where you can record experiences and brain patterns on a tape and then play that tape back for someone and they will experience the sights the sounds the smells everything that that person who recorded it felt and Hmm. there are a bunch of little cautionary things that are throughout it like there's one scene sequence where this guy recorded him having sex with someone and so it's like, oh, everyone's everyone's checking out this tape. You find out later that there's an emergency at this guy's house who got the tape. He looped it over and over again, the orgasm or whatever, the plug. He just, uh, instead of doing the whole experience, just do the orgasm over oh, and over okay. and over again. And then he starts saying things that are pretty whacked out, like I'm, I'm different than I was. Oh, okay. And and things that are weird. And then there's also the main part of the movie also is about this woman has a heart attack in the lab while she's by herself and records herself dying. Oh, that's interesting. On the tape. And the Christopher Walken character for the rest of the movie after that happens is infatuated with trying to play that tape and experience death without it actually happening. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, there's the government involved because they want to use it for brainwashing activities, of course. (laughs) Naturally. You know, all these different things that are very much about virtual reality also. It's not just this thing where you you record it on a tape and you play it back and your brainwaves make you think that things are happening. But in an environment like that, right, it's going to be that way. And you're going to think that maybe even feel 
remorse when you kill someone in a virtual environment in a game or you know like how is that gonna is that going to desensitize us as human beings i mean is that would it you know like what do you think is it isn't that gonna i mean the more realistic we get isn't that something that's going to disassociate us from reality yes i i think so you already have people that oh yeah right now oh yeah just like from spending expended time yeah online or even like it doesn't even have to be vr yeah and uh so yeah i I definitely think that especially if you're like playing somebody else like in the vr or in the metaverse like you have your own avatar that's maybe different or behaves differently than you would in normal life i could definitely see that well, then at some point, those things will overlap. I right. Mean, if you spend at, at what time, point do you become your character, so to speak? Do you become your avatar? Or right? like does your avatar identity. Become, right. Yeah. Or does your avatar's identity become more popular, like to where people know you as that? Right. Like you're not even Paul. Like an actor, you're, right? You know, like an actor walking down the street and you go, hey, it's... Yeah, it's Stinky Weasel 2312 or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Stinky Weasel. Did you did you consider Stinky Weasel 2312 <laughs> as one of your... I think that was the best my brain could do for one of those like okay. generated usernames. Yeah. Stinky Weasel. Yeah, Stinky Weasel. It's probably better than anything I've actually ever come up with. Like I've actually... Trying. I actually saw Butt Tickler 87 once. And I thought, I don't want to play with that guy anymore. <laughs> but let's not talk it's about that. It's impossible to be mad if you're getting killed by Butt Tickler, though. Oh, no, no. My whole thing was, I'm not getting killed by Butt Tickler. Screw that. Yeah. I don't want to get killed by that guy. But anyway, <laughs> that 12-year-old or whoever came up with that name. Yeah. I mean, we can go on forever on this whole sort of thinking about how virtual reality will evolve do you have any final thoughts on what you think virtual reality is going to become? I think it's going to be something big for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we've had like the tip of the iceberg. Like this is kind of a test drive where we're at and it's not even close to how things will eventually be. If you even think just back to like 20 years ago, what video games were like and what oh, they're yeah. like now, it's a jarring leap. Right, And I don't see why VR would be any different, you yeah. know, as we understand it more and the computing power and everything, the possibilities. Well, and the impacts on the human being who and, uses it. And that as well, you know, and positive or negative. Right. And will it matter? Like, yeah. even if we acknowledge that, okay, it's probably a net negative impact, let's say, hypothetically, will it, will it make a difference or will it still be running rampant? Because I think most people in general say that social media is overall a bad thing because of the comparisons it forces you to make and what have you. Or accepting information immediately without having the ability to fact checking. Right. But, and despite all of that, a lot of like the majority of the population uses one form or or another of social media. So, you know, will it even matter if we're like, well, this is causing disassociation and people are, I don't know, becoming more depressed or anxious or whatever. Yeah. Will it make a difference or will we just be like, well, it's just a side effect of VR. This is the world nowadays. Yeah. Get with it, old man. You know, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm mixed about what it, what the virtual reality holds as far as games, it's a novelty. And if it is used in a creative way, I will partake and try and play it. Like I still want to play that. What is the half-life uh, Alex? If I ever have the opportunity to play that game, I, I've heard wonderful things about it, but it's a game, right? Yeah. And so, 
you know, when virtual reality becomes a lifestyle more than just a game, that's when I think it's going to get, it could get interesting. It could also get very scary, very Matrix-ish. Yep. Very much like that kind of like we're just a bunch of people in a bunch of pods to conserve space and keep the power on for the computers that are going to simulate us. Right. And, you know, I'd see that being a possibility. Sure. Oh, Jesus. Right now you already have like freemium games. I know this is like kind of a segue, but like you have games already where people invest their real resources. Oh, yeah. To we'll improve get... their standing in the game, right? Right. Pay to win. Or pay to win. Sure. So... You know, I don't see why it wouldn't happen the same way with VR too. Like, if people are become obsessed enough with their virtual life, they'll just be starting to dump all of their real resources, whether it be time or money or whatever, into that. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Maybe ten thousand dollars can get you a better location of your house in the metaverse or whatever. Yeah, but that's not gonna. And then the rich gonna keep on getting richer and the poor are going to keep on getting poorer and that's just like it's just going to be it'll a carbon, just be a new avenue it's for just it. going to be a carbon copy yeah. maybe I, I don't think someone in in the the metaverse is going to say okay so everyone is equal everyone starts out exactly the same no. you all have to figure it out it'll be interesting though it, it could it doesn't necessarily have to be on the onset of it it could be like down the road you know they yeah. slowly introduce these things where it's like you pay a little bit of real money and you get i don't know what it would be but something in there that benefits you and then it just becomes a larger and larger part of vr or the metaverse whatever yeah it's just gonna i i have a feeling it's just gonna become a kind of like social media it's gonna be more an amplified version of the of the things that are wrong with us yeah call me pessimistic but uh large possibility it's possible i think if we do it right when have we ever done anything? <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to get down on humans because, I mean, virtual reality is really cool when it comes to games. Yes. Let me just say. If you look at it, too, just from very, very big picture macro level, it's pretty cool that oh, like, we as humans can just like create a virtual world and be like, yeah, yeah, let's go in here and explore it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, obviously there's the negatives, but it, there is a lot of cool things going on, yeah, too. Yeah, and I think the question about how artificial intelligence is going to develop in that kind of environment is also kind of scary, too. It's also a la Matrix, but it's just, I saw the Matrix uh, Resurrections yesterday, so I think yeah. that's coloring my viewpoint about negativity. On that note, let's uh, close out the show. Thank you, Paul, for joining us on this episode on the word virtual yeah it's been a great time yeah i think i'm actually here this wasn't like a zoom or anything it's not (laughs) no it wasn't virtual (laughs) it was actual real reality actually here in the same room 2022 yes making it happen making it happen playing with the cats yep (laughs) so thank you for joining us my name is ben and i'm paul still now you're steve (laughs) and we've been your hosts have a wonderful night goodbye bye